I think they're great illustrations of biblical gentleness. And, and so here we go. It's, it's not only a picture of him as a gentleman, but as a gentle man. On one occasion, he was fox hunting with a group of friends. And one of his fields that they were riding their horses through uh, was bordered by a stone wall. And as his horse jumped the wall, it knocked off a top stone. Washington immediately stops his horse, gets down off the horse, and he picks up the stone and replaces it exactly where it was. One of his friends who was riding with him said, you are too big a man to bother with that. And George Washington replied, no, I am just the right size. (laughs) I thought, how about that? Gentleness. Another story tells of a corporal at Valley Forge who was directing three men as they tried to lift a log into place. It was too heavy, but the corporal continually commanded again and again, All right, men, one, two, three, lift! And finally, a man in an overcoat came by and said to the corporal, Why don't you help them? And the corporal pulled himself up to full height and he replied, Sir, I am a corporal. And without a word, the man stepped over and with his help, the log went easily into place, and as the story goes, that man was George Washington. Now, whether these are true or not, I don't know, like I said, but you see, gentleness includes some things. It includes true humility that does not consider yourself too good or too exalted for humble tasks. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you that through, through Scripture, you've given us examples of things like gentleness, Through your son, the way that he lived his life. Uh, We've seen these examples time and time again in your word. And I pray that today as we open up your word, as we as we look at these scriptures, as we look at these these times of gentleness, uh, as we define what gentleness is, as we see how we can apply it to our lives. I pray that that that's what will happen, that we'll leave here differently than how we've come. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, Webster's Collegiate Dictionary gives an older meaning for meekness or gentleness as enduring injury with patience and without resentment. That might, be, might not be too far from, from the meaning of the biblical word, but the Greek word is more positive. And, and actually, there's a French version that's pretty close. They use a word called dossier, and I almost did that properly. Uh, it, it is the meaning of sweetness and mildness and good nature. You see, gentleness is never self-important. But it's considerate, it's courteous, it's modest, and it's willing to try when a job needs to be done. In the Full Life Study Bible, gentleness is defined as restraint coupled with strength and courage. Aristotle gave a classic definition for gentleness as halfway between excessive anger and indifference. That is, that he felt the gentle person could be angry at the right time and submissive at the right time. But to try to understand gentleness further, we're going to go through some passages in the Bible where the Greek word preotis is used. In the Old Testament, it uses it once, and it's in Psalms chapter four, or excuse me, Psalms forty-five, verses one through four. Um, You'll see these. We're going to we're going to put these up so you can write them down on the back of your bulletin. You can take these home. You can look at them and and really look into gentleness. But Psalm forty-five, verses one through four, and we're going to focus in on verse four. But I wanted to kind of set the whole context for you. And here's what the psalmist says. He calls on God. He says, "My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the King. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. 
You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. Verse four, in your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Obviously, gentleness is not weakness. It is not allowing yourself to become a doormat. It is part of God's character as he moves triumphantly and mighty in power and victory. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 21, Paul is dealing with arrogant people in the Corinthian church. And he says, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and spirit and a spirit of gentleness? Paul had a tremendous love for the believers in all of the churches. But his love wasn't just a blind sentiment. It wasn't something he, he knew that they sometimes needed discipline. He knew what people were capable of and he was prepared to exercise it. But he wanted them to respond in repentance first so he could show them love and gentleness. And because that's what his heart was towards these people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, Paul appeals to them by the, by the meekness, the gentleness of Christ when he says, I, Paul, myself entreat you. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. He goes on to continues to talk about the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to tear down strongholds. You see, we should not allow ourselves to get carried away by rage and personal vindictiveness, greed and pride and things like that as we seek out our victories for Christ. We need to seek out those victories with gentleness. With the gentleness of Christ, we can triumph over anything and we can do it powerfully. In Galatians 6.1, Paul tells us that if a man is trapped in some sin, those who are spiritual should restore him gently. Problems arise no matter where we are. And even the best of us can slip up just like you may slip up on an icy road or a dangerous path. If we're truly filled with the Spirit, we will show gentleness, not hardness. And not condemnation as we try to restore such a person. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, Paul is urging us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. He calls on us to be completely humble and gentle, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We're to be free from self-exaltation. We should strive to be fully submitted to the will of God, both in our relationship to Him and in our relationship with others. And gentleness is the one word that puts all these things together. In Colossians 3.12, Paul urges us, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love that verse. I think it shows that the fruit of the Spirit needs our cooperation for its development in our lives. Some people say things like, don't worry about the fruit. Just, just bask in the sunlight of his love. Enjoy the rain of his blessing. The fruit will automatically appear. Uh, that makes for a nice little Hallmark card. But the reality is, it doesn't work that way. In order for us to really experience the fruit of the Spirit, we have to put to death the works of the flesh. We have to put those things behind us. We have to take to ourselves the fruit of the Spirit. We have to exercise our faith and develop the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 25, Paul tells the Lord's servant, he tells him, he says, that those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will give them a change of heart, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. That is, he must keep on patiently and gently teaching. Time and time again, we're instructed to do these things 
gently. To restore someone gently. William Barclay compares him to a surgeon who goes directly to the diseased spot, yet without causing any unnecessary pain. You see, in, in Titus 3, 2, Paul tells Titus to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable, and to be considerate, and to show true, humble gentleness toward everyone. It includes the idea of, of springing to the help of those in need, yet keeping our own feelings under control. James 1, 21 commands us to get rid of all filth and evil that is so relevant, and with a humble gentleness, accept the word planted in us, which can save us. And James 3.13 asks, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And again, in 1 Peter 3.15 and 16, we are told to be prepared to answer everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope we have, but we are to do this with gentleness and respect. It's, it's been pointed out that courage is not on Paul's list of the fruit of the Spirit and some of the things that I've read. But we should recognize that it indeed takes courage to be gentle in the midst of all the evil surrounding us in this world. It, take, it took courage for Paul to stand against the party spirit that had developed in Corinth. that had become almost vicious. It took courage for him to stand with gentleness and instruct and restore them. You see, the thing about gentleness in our lives, it's never a false modesty. It's not a self-depreciation. It's not a spineless refusal to stand for anything. That's not what gentleness is. Gentleness is never a cowardly retreat from reality. Sometimes the reality substitutes that selfishness for real gentleness, and we avoid trouble in ways that allow greater trouble to develop. See, when we do that, we're missing opportunities for accountability. We're missing opportunities for restoration, again, in gentleness, like I read a minute ago. Neither is, is it a false humility that refuses to recognize God has given us talents and abilities or refuses us to use them for his glory. You see, I think about gentleness. I think about people like Moses. The Bible says he excelled in the meekness of gentleness. Numbers twelve three. God gave him a high position. And, and it's hard for the natural man to be gentle towards people who attack him, especially when they attack his official rank and his honor. But when he went... Back to the Israelites. Moses didn't try to defend himself to his own people. He was gentle towards Miriam and, and, and Aaron, towards his brother and his sister and, and the other Israelites. And, and he let God take care of that situation of, of reinstating him before them so he could lead them out of slavery. He did it with gentleness. He, he didn't come in beating his chest saying, I am sent me. That's why I'm here. He didn't do that. He let them question. He let them ask. He let them have anger. He let them have issues. And he let God take care of the situation. Because gentleness includes the idea that we don't care about what happens to our honor as much as what happens to God's honor and what happens to others. That's something that's hard for us to grasp sometimes. We want to know that our honor is intact. That before people, we look good. And the reality is, it's God's honor that we need to be concerned with. In our daily lives, we can't help coming into situations that bring conflict with other people. It's easy for us in the natural to react with anger, to react with frustration, sometimes even to react with violence, especially if we're insecure. But when we accept the reality of who we are in Christ and when we trust the Holy Spirit to help us, we can be gentle whatever conflict may arise 
Because 90% of the time, it's not even on us. Jesus showed true gentleness in the midst of conflict and and in the midst of his popularity. As he healed people, as he did miracles, he often brought the crowds to a high pitch of enthusiasm. But he he refused to let them make him the kind of king they wanted. And he reminded them of this passage in Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. He said, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed will not break and a faintly burning wick will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Jesus knew who he was, but he was gentle and humble. It's quite a contrast to the lying leaders of his time and even of today who exalt themselves by noisy demonstrations of their greatness. And and, and far too often they think of themselves as above the requirements of holiness and justice. But Jesus' awareness of his power enabled him to be gentle to those in need. To the broken reed, he would not crush. You think of the woman caught in adultery. He had every opportunity like everyone else to crush her. But his his mission was to fully restore her. The flickering wick, wick of a lamp he would not put out, but would cause it to burn brightly again. His gentleness works. It brings righteousness and it will bring justice in the earth because he gently takes the sinner and makes him whole. That's how our God works. And when he's done that for you, when he's taken you and he's made you whole, you can then go and do the same for others. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't want you to I don't want you thinking that I think you can go out and save people. Okay, salvation is not through you or me, but we can use gentleness in our lives to make sure that we are not snuffing out a flickering wick of someone's spiritual lamp. We need to practice the art of restoration through gentleness rather than just, I need to be right and you need to know that what you've done is wrong. We need to make sure that we're using gentleness in those areas. We can actually use gentleness to fan into a flame something that burns so bright for the Lord and someone who is on the verge of just flickering out and giving up. We can use gentleness to restore them and and shine them brighter than ever before. We can do the same thing with the bruised reed. I don't know who's in your life. I don't know the people that you know in your circle. But I know that everybody knows somebody who is hurting right now. And when you think about your options as a Christian, you could walk up to them and say, so you wrecked your car last night because you drove home and had a few too many at the bar. Well, that was your own fault, stupid. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but it's not doing much to restore them. It's not doing much to take opportunity to, to share with them gentleness and love and a reflection of Christ. You can pick whatever situation you want. There's plenty of them to go around. We're full of messed up decisions and silly moments where we do things like that. And rather than be told again and again what we've done was dumb, Let's see how we can start to use gentleness to fan that flame. That that flickering wick that's about to be snuffed out by the world. Let's see how we can give fresh life and fresh oxygen to that. That bruised reed, rather than continue to step on it, whether it was self-inflicted or not, doesn't matter. 
The goal is restoration. And when we use gentleness in mind with that, we can restore one another. We can restore brothers and sisters who, who are struggling. And I don't know about you. I hope that you want to experience God through love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness. And next week, we're going to close out with self-control. That I'm not sure where you are in your life, but I know this. God desires to fully restore you through his gentleness. No matter how broken you are. No matter how, how empty you feel. God can restore you. And I'm not sure what that restoration looks like for you. Maybe your restoration begins with submitting to Christ through baptism and making him the Lord of your life. Maybe you just need repentance or rededication or, or prayer and some direction. The elders are here and we, we have a place where you can go and pray and talk with them. Maybe God's put on your heart to join Huntsville Christian Church to partner with us as we strive to be restorers in the community and make a difference in the lives of the people around us. Whatever your response is today, please consider the fruit of the Spirit that is gentleness as you respond today to God's Word. Will you stand and sing with us? You know, Myers, Meyer Perlman once quoted Donald Gee, and he said he gave an illustration like this. A guide was taking a group of visitors through a factory, and one of the things he showed them was this giant steam hammer that was capable of flattening an entire automobile. And then the guide puts a walnut down and had the hammer break the shell of the walnut without hurting the meat inside at all. I thought, you know, that's a great illustration of, of gentleness, of, of power under perfect control. And that's what we are when we experience God through gentleness. With our words, with our actions, with our lives, we have the ability to destroy and we have the ability to protect and we have the ability uh, as power under control it's been great to worship with you all this morning, and now it's time to go. And as you go this week, I pray that you will look for opportunities to restore the broken, that you will look for opportunities to fan into flame those who seem to be losing their spark. Remember the story about George Washington. One of his friends said, you're too big a man to bother with that. And he replied gently, no, I'm just the right size. And I believe that when we experience God through gentleness, you will come to understand that you are just the right size for whatever it is he's calling you to do. Have a great week.